0: Hello, everybody. You are listening to No Filler with Joe Miller on KCOU Sports, FM 88.1. I'm your host, Joe Miller. Sorry, folks, we're starting a little late today. We had some technical difficulties here in the studio, but things are about to start running really smoothly. So today's September 25th. We've got a great show. We're going to have my pal, Aaron Mosier, in to talk about college football, given this tumultuous year, everything happening, with each conference doing completely different things. We'll also talk a little bit about the SEC openers this weekend, with, of course, Alabama traveling here to Columbia this weekend. Don't worry, though, folks. We'll also talk about plenty of basketball, which leads us to our first story. So last night, Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Denver Nuggets, took a commanding 3-1 lead over the series. This was a tight game. Never led by more than 12 points. The Nuggets never retook the lead after the first quarter, but they kept it close throughout the game. Even in the fourth quarter, they always brought it within three or five pretty frequently. Jamal Murray played great basketball. This guy was drafted seventh overall in 2016. He might be the best player from that class when everything's said and done. I know Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram were all in that draft, but with how he's been performing in this playoffs, it looks like he's taken his game to a whole nother level. He's played... One point game, a 40-point game, and two 50-point games in this playoffs. We're going to see this guy's name for a long time moving forward, especially if he's teammates with Nikola Jokic operating in that pick and roll. But what really changed the course of this game was halfway through the fourth quarter, in the middle of a timeout, Bron James talked to Frank Vogel, and he said, Put me on Jamal Murray. I will guard him. LeBron James, year 17, he's logged about 58,000 total career minutes at this point. And he's guarding a 23-year-old in Jamal Murray. We've not seen anything like this in a long time. Like, People have been comparing this a lot to in 2010, in the first round, when LeBron was still in Cleveland, how he guarded Derrick Rose in the first round. This is 10 years after that. This guy's still doing it in year 17, and doesn't look like he's slowing down. Like He doesn't have the same athleticism that he once had, but he's still taking over games. It's kind of amazing. AD also, of course, had a great game. He started 6-for-6 in the first quarter, hot start. They also got to the free throw line a lot. AD and LeBron each shot 14 free throws, 28 free throws compared to the Nuggets, 20. Really, that was a huge difference maker. The Nuggets lost this game by eight points, I believe, and I think they went to the line 12 less times. So, Mike Malone, after the game, said something along the lines of, I'm going to try to talk to the NBA about this (laughs) because Denver does play tough basketball, but if they don't get the, the same foul calls the Lakers are getting, it might be in a world of hurt. We talked a little bit about how the Lakers that managed to win this series and win these, these last few games. But the main reason they won this last game was not necessarily what the Lakers did, but what Nikola Jokic did not do for the Denver Nuggets. He got in foul trouble. He barely played in the fourth quarter. I believe he fouled out three minutes into the fourth quarter. Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, like I said last week, have given this guy a whole ton of problems in the post. He had several 35-point games against the Clippers because Montrez Harrell couldn't really guard him. Ivica Zubax was the guy they looked to, and he wasn't really that much better. If Nikola Jokic cannot turn his game around, I think the Nuggets are going to lose. But at this point, they're down 3-1. They were already down 3-1 in the past two series. It's very unlikely they come back in this. I think the Lakers are going to close this game out either tonight or two days from now and make it to the finals. We'll talk in the next few weeks about the implications of this with the Lakers winning another championship. They'll tie the Celtics all time total. My mom's a Celtics fan, so I know she's not going to be happy listening to this, Um, (laughs) but this will also do wonders for LeBron. He'll make a 10th finals, potentially win a fourth Anthony Davis potentially could win a finals MVP catapult himself into the top 50 Jean Rondo could potentially lock in hall of fame nomination with the second ring and Dwight Howard I think he's already a locked in hall of famer but championship will definitely help his legacy we'll see what happens it'll be a great story with everything that's happened from COVID shutting down the season to the tragic death of Kobe Bryant earlier this January but Lakers have gone on quite a journey this year, beating the Rockets, beating the Blazers, about to bury the Nuggets. And if they manage to beat the Heat in the finals, that's really going to be something to behold. So we're going to go to break. When we return, Aaron will be on to talk college football. You're listening to No Filler with Joe Miller on KZOU Sports. We're back. Joe Miller here joining me on the phone. It's a good friend of mine, fellow Arlington High School alumni, a Walter Williams scholar, host of the Mosier Show here on KCOU. It is, of course, Aaron Mosier. Aaron, thank you for coming on, man.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Aaron, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this while you're on the show. i have been thinking about TV shows lately that have been canceled just far too early. Firefly just had one season, then Fox scrapped it. It was a great show, and then it was gone feel this way a lot about your show, The Mosier Show. It was on KCOU. It was great for a while, and there's no signs of The Mosier Show right now. Is that in contract negotiations right now? Are we going to get any more episodes of The Mosier Show coming up soon, or what's the status on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. like, um, Spotify has actually reached out to me, um, and we actually have a deal in the works. I've actually got to get a better deal than what Joe Rogan got. Um, so I'm, I'm really setting up for for a good life um, but no uh, I'm just'm I'm decided to kind of take a break um, from doing the show I've been doing uh, other other things um, other reporting I'm um, still gonna be broadcasting and hopefully producing games soon with the kcoU still love the family but uh, yeah I decided to take a break um, on the show especially during um, these times and a lot of the difficulties, just trying to stay, stay with schoolwork from home. But uh, otherwise, uh, definitely, it's been good, especially now that I have a Spotify deal.
0: <laughs> I imagine life gets much better once you get a over a $100 million Spotify podcast deal. That that seems pretty good when that happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I'm pretty much set. So.
0: Okay, so just for you, Aaron, because you're a good friend, good friend of show, good friend of me, we're going to break show format today and talk about different sport that is college football, because you're an expert on that. And I want to want to play to your strengths a little bit, play to my guest strengths, like kind of like what LeBron's been doing this year in the playoffs. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the uh, expert designation. Um, I haven't played
1: a snap of football since Pee Wee. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to be thankful for that, but and I'll, I'll accept it. But I mean, I I'm probably have more expertise with like highlight to be honest.
0: Okay, so you're more of like a coach then for football. It's kind of what I'm hearing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sean McVay has nothing on me.
0: (laughs) That's funny. but So I want to start just with a broader question because I feel like we can't really get into a college football conversation this year. But we see conferences and different schools doing different strategies to carry out the season. Like we see this with fan capacity, when to start the season, if they're going to start the season, which we just saw the Pac-12 is now restarting. I believe November 12th is when they're going to be starting. You saw that, right?
1: Yes, I know that they're coming back. I know that, um, of course, SEC is this weekend, and the Big Ten will be um, coming up in a few more weeks.
0: So do you think this season will feel weird for fans just with all the different moving parts that is, like, I guess just our world right now with COVID and everything?
1: I, to me, I mean, it's already been very weird. Um, I, I really have to go back to the Navy-BYU game on Labor Day. The, it was so quiet. Nobody in the stands. You got Chris Fowler and Kirk Street on, on the call, but it, the st- stadium is quiet. And Navy, this is like their first tackle drill. They didn't do tackle drills over the summer, and this is their first time they're playing against BYU. Like, that's, that's not an easy task. And that was That was very weird. Um, And I think it's going to be even more strange for SEC fans and Big Ten fans as they make this transition because you're talking about, um, you know, Ohio State, Nebraska, teams that sell out their stadiums, and now they might have fan capacities. That's going to be very weird. And um, I know the athletes appreciate having fans in the stands, um, but I think that that there's definitely – Um, less of a home-field advantage. Um, I think you've seen where Arkansas State was able to go into Kansas State, get a win. You saw um, Louisiana get a win against Iowa State. And I think that's definitely even the playing field for some of these teams because it's difficult to get energy um, as far as on your team from the home field and you don't have that anymore.
0: So, Kind of on that similar vein, just of how the season's going to work, like procedurally, what are your thoughts on how the college football playoff is going to work? Because that's already like a super contentious thing because we have five or six, depending on who you're talking to, big conferences. There's four slots, and each conference could be playing completely different amounts of games. There might be stoppages. How do you think that's going to work this year? Like, do you think it's going to be more controversial, or do you think, like, fans are just going to kind of deal with it this year?
1: Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, former uh, (laughs) there. Um, I think if anything, that's going to be way more controversial because you're also talking about seasons where the Big Ten is going to stay within itself. The SEC is going to stay within itself. You're not going to have the same amount of intra-conference play. Um, And also, I mean, this is very similar to – um, to MLB baseball. Um, that's a, that's um, redundant, but um, how the how St. Louis Cardinals were like out two weeks and now they're trying to finish the season with doubleheaders and, and just dragging through. How is that going to work when you come to college football playoff decision making if teams are constantly postponing games? I and mean, we're talking about the Big Ten is going to be ending their season with the Big Ten Championship on December 19th. In a normal year, we're playing bowl games by then. Um, So that's definitely going to elongate things. And how are you going to determine which conference is better when you don't even have intra-conference play? Um, You know, I think, obviously, the SEC is going to have a team. They're going to have their champion win. And beginning this year with only a few conferences playing, it really was an opportunity for an AAC team like UCF, Memphis, or Cincinnati to get in. Now it probably won't be with the Big Ten and Pac-12 kind of getting back into the mix Um, So that's kind of unfortunate for them.
0: Usually the college football playoff and bowl games start like late December, kind of early January. If the Pac-12 is starting like November 12th, that just like, are they going to play like five or six games, then go into it? Do you think like the playoffs going to be postponed? Like, are we going to have a situation where the Pac-12 plays like six games and the SEC plays like 10 or 11 think that that could be p- plausible.
1: I think I think of the I think they'll probably um, move um, the bowl games and move um, the, the championships um, and, and the playoff. I think that's probably pretty likely um, because especially the Big Ten has a lot of bargaining power um, in that. And if they're playing the championship on December nineteenth, they're going to give. I mean, we could end up in a situation though where where you would normally have. A, a kind of off season almost uh, between the end of your championship conference championship run before you play a bowl game that could be definitely lessened um but otherwise yeah i think that you could see that the playoffs moved back a little bit um to accommodate more pack 12 games
0: that would be funny if we had a situation where like the SEC is just waiting like a month and a half for the Pac-12 to finish their schedule (laughs) to get the end result. That could be, that could be something if we got in that situation, but
1: I guess let's. I mean, I I mean, the thing is, is that the Pac-12 has kind of been left out of the college football playoff discussion. I mean, Utah um, kind of had their chance and then they got beat. Um, And it's, I I don't know what the true solution is going to be, but I I think that I think it'll work itself out, and I think the SEC and Big Ten um, honestly have more bargaining power than the Pac-12 does currently.
0: Speaking of the SEC, you know tomorrow is the start of the SEC football schedule. Did you know that, Aaron?
1: Yes. um, (laughs) I'll I'll let you finish your thought, but um, I definitely um, am worried about
0: things. So there's seven games scheduled this weekend with. Florida, facing off at Ole Miss, Kentucky at Auburn, Mississippi State at LSU, Georgia at Arkansas, Alabama at Missouri, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M, and finally, last and definitely least, depending on who you're talking to, Tennessee at South Carolina. So, of these games, are there any, like, that stick out to you that you're, like, really looking forward to, like... Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. I know that one's just blaring on my schedule. Like, I got to see the Vanderbilt at Texas A&M game.
1: Um, I can tell you which one I'm not looking forward to, and that's Missouri trying to play um, Alabama after they're now down double-digit players to COVID. Um, They still haven't figured out who their starting quarterback is going to be in a a three-quarter race between Sean Robinson, Taylor Powell, and Connor Bazelak. don't feel great about going against an Alabama defense um, with that kind of chaos, um, especially I think Mac Jones definitely had a really good end um, to the year filling in for Tua last year, so he's going to probably be ready to go. Um, otherwise, what, what I'm actually excited for is the Mississippi State at LSU game. Really interested to see um, how LSU kind of bounces back this year. I mean, they lost a ton. They lost Joe Brady, their passing game coordinator. Um, can Ed Orgeron kind of rally the troops Um, And how are they going to fare this year? And Mississippi State has kind of been a team that some have targeted as a dark horse um, in the SEC West. How do they fare? Do they look good? You know, you have Fitzgerald behind center. He was pretty decent last year. Um, What what can he bring to the table? So I think that's definitely the game to keep an eye on is whether LSU is ready to rebound and go on another championship run, um, or will Mississippi State – um, be a team that might be able to kind of get in the mix and maybe compete with the Alabamas of the world to make it to an SEC championship.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. With LSU obviously losing Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the coaching personnel you just mentioned, that that's going to be an interesting matchup. So with the Missouri-Alabama matchup, I saw this stat before I went on air. Did you see the last year that Mizzou beat Alabama? Was 1975. Did you see that?
1: I did not see that, but uh, I don't doubt that. See, as um Missouri apparently has difficulty beating Vanderbilt, so that doesn't surprise me.
0: So, this is obviously going to be Coach Drinkwitz's first game. Do you think that, so you don't think that there's any hope whatsoever? Like, would you say, like 99% chance Alabama wins somewhere around there?
1: Uh, I mean, I would I would say 110%. I'm not giving Missouri a shot, even in this weird year. Um, I feel bad for – even before the season, I was predicting that um, Drinkowitz and, and the staff and the team could go maybe 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five. I, I didn't want people to get their hopes too high. Again, you're bringing in a, a lot of new staff. You're going to have a new system under Drinkowitz um, bringing in, in from Appalachian State. Uh, And even the schedule last year, you know, that that set up, you know, you were going to play Louisiana, Eastern Michigan, BYU on the road. So I thought that they could go 6-6 and 7-5. And And now you have a conference-only schedule where the two teams added from the SEC West is Alabama um, and LSU, I believe. You're talking about increasing the difficulty of your schedule exponentially so this could definitely be a very challenging year for drinkowitz and i definitely would not have your hopes too high if i was a mizzou fan
0: so mizzou's first three games i was looking at this this is a brutal stretch because they play alabama they play lsu and then they play the university of tennessee which a lot of people think are going to do pretty well this year so do you think the Tigers are going to start in sort of like an 0-3 hole? And what kind of, like, storylines do you think will develop out of that? Do you think people will be like, uh, oh, this wasn't a good coaching hire? Like, this quarterback is someone we don't need whoever that quarterback is because we still don't know. Like, what do you think are going to be the stories if they do get in that 0-3 hole? I mean, I think you're going to have the, the typical um, Twitter.
1: Um, I'll, I'll, I'll call them uh, um, delinquents. I, I'll say people that you know they were there after after alabama lost to lsu whether that it was genuine or not people were tweeting fire saban so um i don't think the twitter takes are going to get any better um but i I don't i think really the storyline is is whether um who's going to be the quarterback who's going to take the reins i mean it's that's so up in the air about the quarterback situation and I think an even bigger storyline is can the players stay healthy and stay away from the coronavirus? Um, Obviously, they've had difficulty um, getting the year of staying away from it. But, um, yeah, I think you're going to look at it 0-3, and I think the best way to look at it is if there's improvement in those three games and whether you're able to solidify a quarterback um, that can take the reins and really uh, improve the offense from week to week.
0: How worrying is that, that even – the day before the first game of the season we still don't know who the face of this team is going to be like for right or for wrong the quarterback is that for this team like that has to be a huge concern for Missouri especially just not knowing who that that position is just considering like the quarterback is so important to a team especially in college football where you can see scores go up like into the 60s right like what does that even say? Like, what do you, do you have any optimism about that solution? Like sorting itself out? Or do you think we're going to be in kind of a weird spot like the next year or two?
1: I mean, I think, I think I'll get solidified, um, this season. I think that, um, I think Connor Bazelak really didn't show a whole lot last year. I think Taylor Powell had some good moments in Georgia game. So I think that, I think between Powell and Robinson, one of them, um, should should look good enough that they um, are able to lead the team, and, and just I think it's going to be so difficult for them because now you've got, for example, Maurice Massey. Um, you know he he's going to be out um, with COVID. Um, it's it's just I I, I don't know. They're really, we've had a lot of turnover in the receiver uh, department. No Albert Okwey no uh, You're going to have you will have Parker uh, back, but. You're going to have 80. So he will have some weapons, whoever it's going to be. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think that turns down the difficulty, um, especially in a offseason that is shortened um, and much different than what a usual offseason off would be.
0: So in, in, the, in this slate of SEC games, we have seven matchups. Only one of them is between two ranked teams with the Auburn-Kentucky game. Do you think Kentucky is... Ranked appropriately here I know you've had some Choice words before about preseason Rankings and college football but Do you think that that's going to be a competitive game Or do you think it's just Kentucky Was ranked high because of their Stellar year last year yeah,
1: I, don't, I don't know um, I think that I think that Auburn is definitely Going to have the upper hand Returning Bo Nix um, They do lose Derek Brown They're Beast up the middle, but I'm sure they'll have guys to replace um, somebody like him in some fashion. And Kentucky could be overinflated, but I think you've seen a lot of teams that are overinflated. How is Army ranked 22? When does that ever um, happen? So um, I think when you end up adding the Big Ten teams and, and then the Pac 12 at some point, I think that the, the rankings will balance themselves out, and I'm not too concerned about it currently.
0: Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that because I know you're a big Power Six guy, but Cincinnati is going against this Army team that I saw is ranked, and that's one of the only matchups between ranked teams this weekend. So it sounds like you don't think that matchup is going to be as competitive. Like, what are your thoughts on the Army-Cincinnati game that's going to be tomorrow?
1: I think Army Army has played well this year. I mean, they definitely showed out and blew out Middle Tennessee State. Um but to me, I just think Cincinnati is one of the best teams in the nation. You look at returning, they're able to keep Luke Fickle as head coach. They're able to, even, even more important, they're able to keep Marcus Freeman as their defensive coordinator. Um, he really had that defensive unit going strong. You can even watch the bowl game against Boston College. They absolutely stifled Boston College's offense. Um, so I don't think defense is definitely not going to be an issue for that team. And then you return Desmond Ritter at quarterback. You got uh, Dokes at running back. He's definitely a beast of a guy. He will run over you the same way that Warren did last year. So I don't have—I really have no concerns about Cincinnati going into this year. And that really comes down to the Army isn't a bad team. I just think Cincinnati is going to be very dominant this year. I'm um, going through the AAC.
0: So, do you have any other thoughts on this college football season, the SEC slate, anything else going on that you think is going to be a main storyline this year?
1: yeah like when will memphis football play another football game like this is this is ridiculous i want to watch memphis football this is now what like three weeks in a row that we can't watch them come on guys don't have the party buses let's get everything together and now we don't even get a tiger to watch on the field anymore now we don't have the tiger like this has been a terrible year we both lost ruth bader ginsburg and now we have lost tom the third This is just a horrible year. We need to get Memphis football back on track, and we need to see them beat
0: down um, SMU and visually play. So just to get you on the record, you are anti-party bus during the pandemic. That's your your stance on the party bus?
1: Yeah, I I think it's probably a bad idea to get into a (laughs) congregated space um, with a lot of guys that just finished playing a football game. Yeah, so I would definitely say that's not a good idea when you're trying to follow COVID protocols.
0: Just wanted to make sure uh, we had that cleared up, that Aaron Mosier, breaking news, folks, is against riding on party buses during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, Everyone can give Aaron Mosier a follow on Twitter at The Mosier Show. Thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to say before you leave no filler with Joe Miller?
1: I hope you have a great day and uh, hope you have a good weekend too. enjoy watching some more football. It's definitely been refreshing. Um, Definitely needed during these uh, difficult times.
0: Well, thanks, man. That's really nice. So, folks, we're going to take one last break and come back for the closing segment to talk about the game tonight. Heat Celtics, game five. We'll be right back. Aaron, thanks for coming on. Folks, we are back. Joe Miller here. You are listening to No Filler with Joe Miller. We have to talk about this Miami Heat game tonight before we leave. The Heat are currently up 3-1 against the Celtics. It's winner-go-home for them. Tyler Hero, 20 years of age. This rookie put up an amazing performance just two days ago, putting them in this position. He dropped those 37 points, shooting 14 of 21 from the field and a staggering 5 of 10 from past the arc. Celtics have lost close games a lot this postseason. Game one went to overtime, and the Heat won it by three. Celtics lose. Game two, it was another close game until the end. The Celtics, they had a 15-point lead in the third quarter. They blow that. It becomes tight in the fourth, and they still lose that game by five. Game four, another very close game. All of these against the Heat, keep in mind. They lose by three at the very end. The Celtics team is good. They've been in all of these games. They just haven't been able to close them out. We can't even forget uh, the Toronto series last round, where in game three, the reason they lost that game was OG Annawabi hit game winning three at the end. They were up by two, and then he obviously hits the game winner, and the Raptors win that by one. Game six, the Celtics were going to close out the Raptors, but then the Raptors take it to double overtime and they sneak out a win. The Celtics team has had a decent season. They've had the pieces, but in clutch time, they just have not been able to put it together. I know all of the talk has been, okay, Jason Tatum, he's 22. Jalen Brown, he's 23. Celtics are going to be in this conversation for the coming years, but they might look back on this year as a lost opportunity. They didn't have to face the Nets with Kevin Durant. Philadelphia had the Ben Simmons injury, and they might make some trades and become a more dangerous team. They also were able to avoid Giannis this year. And let's also not forget that if this team, it's still not out of the picture, but I doubt they'll come back at this point, but if the Celtics made it to the finals to face the Lakers, they actually match up well against that team. The Lakers have LeBron on the perimeter guarding and Alex Crusoe can do a decent job, but they don't have someone to guard Kemba, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. This year, I think, is ultimately going to be especially if the Celtics don't have postseason success in the future, this team might look back on this year as a, okay, we could have potentially won the finals and credit to the Miami heat. They've closed out lots of tough games. This playoffs, they had a few close ones against Milwaukee. And of course, three, (laughs) the only three wins of the series they had were all close games that they closed out. They've played really well. Again, Celtics, they've had a great year. They, I think they kind of hit expectations of making the conference finals, but I think this team, <laughs> especially given the fact that the Clippers and the Bucks were not in the picture, are going to just look back and say, okay, with all of these other teams underperforming, I think the Lakers are really the only team that has kind of hit their expectations of wanting to make the championship. Celtics could have come in that gap, but they've just been unable to. This brings me to my main point, though. So the Heat, they've closed out these games, even with bad performances from some of their players. Like, I know all of the Instagram stories and Snapchat stories have been going on about Tyler Hero scored 37 and he stepped up. This guy plays like a vet. He's not a rookie. People forget Jay Crowder shot one of nine in that game. Jay Crowder, who has been super hot this bubble, Duncan Robinson only scored three points and all of them were from free throws. He didn't make any of his five field goal attempts. The heat have made it through roadblocks. When Jimmy Butler doesn't play well, this team can pick itself up. Sometimes they'll get Goran Dragic. sometimes Tyler Hero. Maybe we'll get a Kendrick Nunn game later in the playoffs. Like this team has figured out how to put it together, even when some things aren't working. And this brings me to my main point. So I'm going to assume that the heat and the Lakers both close out these three, one leads they've built. And there's been a lot of Chad of people saying like, okay, we didn't get the battle of LA or we didn't get to see LeBron Giannis or Kawhi Giannis or any of these series that people had in their heads. But we're about to see two teams with the Lakers in the heat that have both hit or exceeded their expectations who play low scoring basketball who play tough. This is going to be a fun seven-game series. I think the Lakers will ultimately win, but we're about to see a great NBA Finals take place in front of our eyes. As much as I would have loved to see the Battle of LA and the Conference Finals, given the fact that just a few months ago, we had a stoppage of play for over 100 days, I think NBA fans should be pretty happy about what's happening right now. The season it's coming back, playoffs have been super entertaining and I think this final series is also going to be really entertaining folks that's all we got this week hopefully by this time next week we will get to analyze this finals matchup a little bit more but it's going to be a very entertaining series everyone have a great weekend thank you for listening to no filler with Joe Miller enjoy your Friday night